0: Paul said, I won't glory in anything save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you think of crucifixion, you think of the cross, you think of what Christ went through. Why in the world would Paul say that's something to glory in? Uh, But in the cross is where the, the payment for sin was made. In the cross was where the righteous demands of a holy God were met. And because of the cross, we can know forgiveness of sins and have a relationship and peace. My soul can have peace with God. Amen. What a great truth in song. And I always say that there's there's sermons in those hymns. Uh, if you pay attention to the words and how to draw your heart toward the Lord, uh, what, a, what a great truth to glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. And what a shame when we start to take glory in ourselves or for the things that we think uh, make us... Uh, I don't know that 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 we would take glory in anything that we would do or that we would say uh, because it's only by the the blood of Jesus Christ and only by the grace of God that we are anything at all. Amen. Amen. And so let's give honor to the Lord in those things. Uh, Appreciate that song uh, this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 this morning. And by the way, uh, if you're a guest here, thank you for coming. I'm sorry I wasn't in here earlier to greet everyone. Uh, normally I would do that. Uh, Just this morning it was not able to. So I'm glad that everyone is here today. And if you're a guest, thank you for coming. And we appreciate that you would join us today and we trust that the Word of God will be a blessing and a challenge uh, to you as well as to our members and uh, other visitors alike. Okay. And hopefully I'll get a chance to come around and meet you uh, this morning at some point. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to We're going to read this whole chapter, we'll not look at every detail of it this morning, uh, but we will be walking our way through this chapter uh, in the next few weeks ahead, and so we'll plan to be here, Lord willing, for the next few weeks. Uh, But Luke chapter 15 has been called by many the lost and found chapter, and it's really because there's, there's a parable that Jesus gives here in Luke chapter 15, and it's a parable that is regarding things that were lost and great rejoicing when those things are found. And the reason that Jesus gives this parable is really found in verses 1 and 2. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and to the scribes. They were criticizing him because he spent a lot of time with publicans and sinners, those that the religious leaders despised. And so Jesus is going to make a point, and he's going to use a parable, an illustration, a story to illustrate a truth that he's going to bring out. So let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 1, and and you follow along as I read. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. "...more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found this piece which had I had lost." Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his old elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You understand why many have called this chapter the lost and found chapter. And again, Jesus gives this parable because he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes who criticized him because he was eating and drinking or visiting with with what the Pharisees called the publicans and sinners. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, despised these people. And Jesus spent time with these people. And so Jesus wants to make a point and is going to make a point to them. And the Bible says that he spoke this parable. Parable in verse 3. And he spake this parable unto them. So you see three different parts in here, but it's all the same parable. It's all included in the same thought with three different illustrations. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And Jesus gives this parable to show them God's love or how God values even just one person. And how God feels over even just one sinner that comes to repentance. That's the reason behind this parable. And the primary truth behind the parable is that lost sinners need to come to a place of repentance. But God is willing. And God is looking. And so this parable has three parts. The sheep, the silver, coin, and the sun. We're going to take each of them individually over the next few weeks. But before we get into the first one about the lost sheep, I want to just talk a minute about what all of these have in common. What these parables or these these illustrations, one parable but three parts, what they have in common, first of all, is that something was lost. In verse 4, we saw that it was the lost sheep. In verse 8, we see that it's the lost silver coin. In verse 24 and verse 32, we see that it was a lost son. In every one, there's something that was lost. Secondly, the second thing they have in common is that in every single one, someone was looking for that which was lost. In verse 4, we see that the sheep was lost, and the, and the shepherd went after the sheep that was lost. Look at it again. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? In verse 8, We see that the woman who had lost the coin, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And the same with the son. In verse 20, the Bible says that he arose and came to his father But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The implication is that the father was out there looking for his son. And we'll talk about that when we get to that portion. But we see that something was lost. We see that someone was looking for that which was lost. We also see in everyone that something was found. Amen. Amen. In verse six tells us that the sheep was found, and there was, and we'll get to that, there was rejoicing. In verse 9, it tells us that the woman found her coin. And in verse 20, when the son was a great way off, the father saw him, he had compassion, he ran to him. We also see that not only was something found, but we see that there was a great rejoicing when it was found. With the sheep, in verse 6, the the man says, Rejoice with me, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. In verse 9, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that was lost. Speaking of the son, in verses 22 to 24, they began to be merry. But not only do we see all of these in common, that something was lost. Someone was looking for that which was lost. Something was found. There was great rejoicing. But lastly, we also see that it shows us the value of just one. In verse 7, look there in verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. In verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. And then in verse 32, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The man had two sons. And the point that I'm making here is that these three stories were spoken by Jesus as one parable to illustrate how God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit receives sinners and companies with them. And that's the thing that the Pharisees murmured against him for. Jesus Christ, the Son, is like the shepherd that seeks the lost, that he might save them. The Holy Spirit of God is like that woman who seeks the lost, that he might use them for for his purposes, and God The father, like that father, seeks the lost that he might have fellowship with them. These are all wonderful truths that relate to you and to me. And we're going to consider each of these in depth over the next few weeks. And so if you're a guest here today, come back. You'll probably not want to miss this. Uh, If you remember, you have to be here. (laughs) And you don't want to miss it either. Uh, There's some glorious truth that, that we ought to rejoice in the Lord over. But this morning, we're going to talk about the lost sheep in verses 1 through 7. And so let's pray, and then we'll ask the Lord to help us here, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for this assembly. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word, that we can study it and know it. We can learn truth concerning yourself. Lord, your love for us, Lord, the way that you see and value even just one. And Lord, I pray that you'd use your word today to draw men to Jesus Christ as we seek to exalt him. And Lord, we pray that you be pleased with it and your will is done. Or give us of your spirit today. Uh, empower the preaching. Lord, use your word that it may minister to the heart. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's go back to verses 1 through 7 again. We'll just go ahead and read these verses one more time so that we get the full picture again of this one section. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. The murmuring of these self-righteous scribes and Pharisees is what brought about this parable from Jesus to reveal to them God's personal interest In the salvation of souls. And you see, the the context here is that the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders, they were the elite, they thought highly of themselves. They were set apart and different from the common people. Here's these publicans and sinners. And and you get the idea from Luke chapter 18 about the Pharisee and the publican who went up into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee said, God, I thank thee that I'm not like other men are, even as this publican. So you see how he thought about himself. That's the idea here in this portion as well. The scribes and Pharisees like Jesus eats with publicans and sinners. And it's that attitude of heart that brought about this parable that Jesus gives to show them God's personal interest in every single soul. In this first section, we find the lost sheep. And I want us to notice a few things out of this. First of all, notice that there was a painful discovery. In verse 4, the Bible says, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. The painful discovery here is that one of the sheep is lost. One of them is missing. Whether that one sheep represents the world whether it represents a nation, whether it represents an individual soul, the underlying thought here is that the shepherd's restfulness of heart had been disturbed by the discovery that one was lost. That lost one immediately draws out the sympathy and the longing of the shepherd's soul to go and find it. And the application with this, friend, is this. This is the true heart of God towards all men, that all men are lost and the heart of God is longing to seek and to find and to save that which was lost. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3, please. Hold your place here. 2 Peter chapter 3. You know this verse, I quote it often. Uh, If you don't know it, then I'm glad we're turning there. So that you can read it. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we use this verse a lot to show the heart of God towards sinners that, that God doesn't want anybody to perish, but that everybody comes to repentance. But what we don't often go back and look at is the context in which this is given. The context in which this verse is given is the judgment of God that is coming on this world. And the Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Meaning that God made a statement. God made a promise. God is going to keep his promise, as he always does. The promise that God made is that he was going to judge the world for sin. It's coming. You haven't seen it yet, and some people say, Oh, since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. God's not going to judge this world. Oh, yes, he is. Just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that it's not coming. God is not slack concerning his promise. But the reason you haven't seen it yet is because that God is long-suffering to us and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come repentance. This is the heart of God towards lost sinners. Judgment is coming, but God doesn't want you to face it. He's long-suffering to you and giving you an opportunity to be saved. His love for lost sinners is the very reason that Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd, came into this world Let's look at another passage of scripture or two. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings. For all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul says to Timothy, You know what? You ought to pray for. Kings and rulers and even leaders in your culture. And the reason you should, even if you don't like their politics, and the reason you should is because God wants all men to come to a place of repentance. Their souls. Yeah, we, we look down on those politicians because we don't agree with their politics. And we can talk about the president. We could talk about any other congressman or senator. We could talk about anybody we want. In our conservative thinking, we could be like, man, those people are losers. And they might be. (laughs) But how different are we than the Pharisees who said, he eats with publicans and sinners. There's still souls for whom Christ died. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance because he's long suffering. I think of this often. When there are people who come to churches like this and they hear the gospel preached, they hear the word of God preached, and and the word of God begins to speak to their heart and show them what manner of men they are. It exposes their soul that they're lost. They know that they need to be saved, and yet they continue to put it off. They continue to reject it. They continue to just not do anything with it because they want to stay in their sin. And day after day after day, God allows them another life, another day to live. Why? Because God is right in Him. him, He would be right in Himself to strike you dead at this very moment and bring the judgment of God down on you and me. But He doesn't. He gives you another opportunity to hear the Word of God priest to speak to your soul because He's seeking after you. He's trying to find you, the lost sheep, because he's not willing that any should perish. That's pretty amazing. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. You know it. You know that you need to be, but you've just been putting it off. Still holding on to your sin. Not wanting to yield to God. It's a frightful thing. It's a terrifying thing to think that you could go out into eternity today and you know you're lost. Guaranteeing you know where your soul is going to go today if you die. That's a terrifying thing. And people do it all the time. Every Sunday. God is so long-suffering. God is so merciful. And the point that is being made here by Jesus, is that God loves sinners. And He's using this illustration. Which of you, if you have a hundred sheep, you'd do the same thing. you care for your sheep. You'd you'd leave the ninety-nine and you'd go after the one that is lost until you find it. It's just a representation of the heart of God towards just even one person. The lost one draws the sympathy and the longing of that shepherd's soul to find it. In Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, the Bible says, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That is the purpose for which Jesus Christ came into this world. Here's the reason to seek and to save that which is lost. That's you. That's me. And what needs to be realized individually is that that lost sheep in Luke chapter 15 is you. That lost sheep is you. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's the nature of sinners. In Romans chapter 3, turn over there, Romans 3, in verse 10, here's a statement regarding mankind in general, but you need to read this with me in mind, or you in mind, individually. In Romans 3 and verse 10, I'll let you get there. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You know what? Even if you're religious, you're not righteous. The Pharisees and the scribes thought they were righteous because they did all of these things, which they didn't do them perfectly. They broke the law of God all the time, but they were self-righteous. And the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Keep yourself in mind. There is none that understand it. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. That word unprofitable means to render useless. They're useless. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. The question is this. Do you see yourself in the same condition? Because if you're here today and you're not saved, you are lost. You're lost in your sins. And it's the desire of God to save your soul. He's seeking after you, friend, to save you. He doesn't seek the lost sheep just because it has value, although it does have value. He seeks the lost sheep because of his great love for the lost sheep. Because what value is there in a fallen, sinful man? What good is there? What can I present to God of any value? And most people, if they look at their life, they say, my life's a wreck. I've destroyed it. I've wrecked it. I see it. What, what good is there? Well, that's why the Bible says they're all unprofitable, rendered useless. I don't understand that, how God could love sinful men but he does. He said so, he proved it when he sent Jesus Christ into this world to give his life. How do we know that God loves us? 1 John 3:16. Hereby we perceive the love of God that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to give his life. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we see, first of all, in our text, go back to Luke 15, the painful discovery. One of them is missing. It's lost. That lost sheep represents you and me. But then we also see a patient search in verse 4. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Here's the patient search. He goes after that lost one until he finds it. There's no turning back with him until his purpose is fully accomplished. Amen. You know what? God doesn't give up on you or me. The determination of Jesus Christ is to find every lost one. That's why he patiently, diligently searches because of his long-suffering nature, giving opportunity after opportunity after opportunity even to those who will not listen. Oh, I thank and praise the Lord for how patient the Lord was with me before he saved my soul. How many times the Lord called and convicted my own heart and how many times I rejected Him because I wanted to go out into the world and experience the world. What can be said this morning of you? How many times? Understand this. Every lost soul, God is going to find one way or the other. Did you know that? The shepherd here, the one who lost his sheep, he goes out and he searches diligently until he find it. But the truth is there's going to be souls that will not come to a place of repentance. There's going to be souls who go into eternity without God and experience the judgment of God. Would we say that, oh, well, God didn't find them. God didn't find that soul because they didn't get saved. Let me tell you, none will slip by the notice of God. The Bible says all souls are mine. God says that. Not one is going to slip by. He's either going to find them in his saving mercy or he's going to find them in his righteous judgment. Not one is going to slip by. If sinful men are not drawn to him by his grace, the grace of his cross in this life, they will surely be drawn by the power of his throne in the next life. Every human soul the Son of God is going to find. None is going to go unnoticed. And friend, you need to understand this. It is in this life only that he extends mercy and grace. In the next life, he's going to be your judge. Oh, my friend, do you grasp the power of that thought, the terrifying nature of that thought? You go out into eternity without Jesus Christ, friend, you will face the judgment of God, and you cannot even imagine. The Word of God gives us a description of of the lake of fire, the wailing and gnashing of teeth, the torment, the flame that never dies, the crying, the wailing, the remembering for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. And our mortal mind cannot comprehend. The Bible tells us that death and hell, they're going to give up the dead that are in them. Every soul is going to stand before God. And if your name is not found written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire and it burns forever and ever and ever. No one's going to escape. No soul is going to escape the eye of the Lord. He will find everyone, but it's only in this life that he extends grace and mercy you go out into eternity without the Lord and you stand before God. There is no other chance. There's not one. You're condemned. You need to understand this if you're not saved today. Your soul hangs in the balance. and You do not want to face God as, a, as your judge. And so we find here This patient searching. That he goes and he finds that one. And he doesn't stop until he finds it. And it's the same in this life that God is searching. The the, the Spirit of God is trying the hearts. And the Spirit of God is even pulling and drawing somebody today. He's being patient and long-suffering and kind to you. Giving you another day of life to be able to respond to him. But that day is coming to an end. And the Bible says that God will not, the Spirit of God will not strive with men forever. The opportunities that God is extending today, you need to respond. He's not striking you dead this moment. He would be just in doing so because He loves your soul. But that doesn't mean that you have tomorrow, that you can put it off for another day. Look with me back in our text. <clears throat> Not only do we see this painful discovery in this patient search, but we also see in verses 5 and 6 this joyful finding. Look at verse 5. And when he hath found it, his purpose was accomplished. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto him, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep, which was lost. When he found that which he was looking for, the Bible says that he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. Maybe he found his sheep, and that sheep had fallen from a rocky cliff as it wandered away. And if it took another step, it would mean certain death, and he found it just in the nick of time. Or maybe that sheep had fallen into a pit of quicksand and was sinking and about to go under, and he found it just in the nick of time. And when he finds it, the Bible says he's overjoyed to find that sheep, and he reaches down with a tender and strong hand, to pull that sheep up and to rescue its life. It's painting a picture for us. And the picture is this. It's the picture of God's gracious salvation to sinful men who are lost. To find a lost one. While he's seeking it brings gladness to the Savior's heart. It brings joy and rejoicing to His gracious heart. And again, we re, it's reminding us of the fact that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And what a picture of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, friend. When He finds that sheep, you know what? He doesn't approach that sheep with disdain and disgust. He doesn't reprove and rebuke or blame. He doesn't come to the sheep and say, oh, you stupid sheep, you made me have to come out here and find you. That sheep is you and me. And when he came to me, he didn't come with rebuke. He didn't come After all the years of rejecting God, he didn't come muttering under his breath, you stupid sheep. Why did you go astray? It brought rejoicing to his heart to find the soul. Man, if you're here today and you are saved, put yourself in this spot, in this situation. How dare we glory in anything? Maybe you're here today and you're not saved and your life is a wreck. You're about to go under in that pit of quicksand. You're hanging off the edge of the cliff. And one more step is certain death. right there ready to save you if you'll only yield to him. What a moment. What a moment when a sin-weary soul finds himself alone at the end of his rope and the gentle shepherd comes along and all of a sudden you feel that strong hand of the shepherd, the mighty hand raising you up out of that pit of sin and despair that you are in and saving your soul. I remember the gladness of my own heart when I finally yielded to the Lord and I called out to God with a repentant heart. Sorry for even who I was and the life that I lived. I don't want to live that way. I yield myself to you. When God reached down and saved my soul and made me new, I remember the gladness in my own heart. But what about the gladness of the heart of God? Amen? What gladness for the shepherd and for the lost sheep. In verse 7, Jesus says, I say unto you that likewise... Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. And I just remember the day that the Lord saved my soul and set me free. You know what the misery of my life was gone? I was a miserable person. I was a miserable person. All the things of the world didn't bring happiness like I thought. All the things I was holding on to didn't bring joy anymore. And you have to keep going back to the well to keep finding some measure of, 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 of release or some, just a temporary fix to try to get rid of the misery of my life. It was all gone because the Lord Jesus Christ came in. Amen. The emptiness was gone. I didn't even want to live anymore. Soul was filled. Joy flooded my soul, and the reason was because I realized I'm forgiven. It's all God. My soul has peace with God. Wow! Do you remember that day? Do you remember that day? Or is that something you really can't relate to? If you can't relate. saved or are you still lost what we find in verses five and six as well is that after the shepherd found the sheep there was a restful journey home this is a great truth in verse five when he hath found it he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he cometh home He calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. He picks up that sheep that was lost, and he puts him on his shoulders, and he carries that sheep home. The weary, aimless wanderer has now been found, and he has a resting place on the shoulders of, of the one who was seeking after him. The sheep didn't have to do anything except for rest and abide on the shepherd's shoulders all the way home. And as sure as the shepherd comes home, so does that sheep. What a picture. You see where it's going? What a picture of our glorious salvation again. Jesus Christ comes seeking after your soul to pull you up out of your sin and despair and certain death. He places you on His shoulders, a place of rest. And from that point on, He carries you safely home. You know what? This world is not my home. We're passing through. I have a home that's waiting for me. But you know what? I don't have to work to get there. When the Lord saved my soul, he put me on his shoulders. And as sure as he comes home, I'm going home. The Lord does not drive his sheep. He doesn't drag them, but he undertakes to carry them every step of the way home. Do you understand that thought and the application there? Aren't you glad if you're saved today? Aren't you glad that you got the shepherd who's going to make sure to carry you home? I'm glad this world's not my home. Amen. And I'll close with this. Verse 6 tells us that he calls his friends to come and rejoice with him over the lost sheep that was found. You know what? That might represent those who are saved already the friends. Hey, come on. Rejoice with me that I found the sheep. Maybe these are saved ones already. He wants those that are saved to rejoice with him and be interested in the things that bring him gladness and joy. How is it that we get so dull of hearing and so caught up in this temporal life that when people get saved and we see the baptistry waters stirred, that no one is stirred in their soul to say, Amen. God's still working I've got to get back to my temporal life. Why would we not rejoice that others have been found just like I was found? Amen? And be interested in the thing that brings him gladness and joy. Saint of God, I'm asking you, do you rejoice over a sinner that comes to repentance? Do Do you rejoice when God is working in someone's life are you sharing and interested in helping to find that which is lost? to say and the question this morning is, Are you saved, or are you lost? Are you like this sheep? you're lost, the Lord's looking for you. He's giving you opportunity. You need to yield your heart, your life, turn from your sin. And turning from your sin is not a work that you do, by the way. A repentant heart is an attitude of heart that says, I'm done. I'm done with controlling my life. I'm done with all the things, all the sin, all the whatever that I've been living in. I'm done with it. I don't want it. I need God to change me. It's a changing of the mind. It's a changing of the will that yields to God. It's an understanding that I can't change myself. It's not about reformation. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's not about, oh, I'm going to stop doing this. It's a heart attitude toward God that says, I can't do it. God's got to do it. I'm yielding my life to you. It's an attitude of heart that leads to a change of action, but God is the one who creates that. That's what repentance is. It's a yielding of the will. It's a yielding of the heart. It's a yielding of the mind. I'm sorry for my offense toward God, but that's what I am is an offense toward God because I break his law. I break his, I break his, his will. I sin. But that's my nature. And I don't want to even be me anymore. That's the attitude of heart that God's looking for. Is that your heart attitude? Most will sit with a rebellious heart. I don't want I want to control my life. I want to still be the one who's holding the reins. If you're here today and you're lost, the shepherd's looking for you. Amen. If you're here today and you're saved, we ought to rejoice in the things that bring gladness to the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd use your word today. And, Lord, we ask that you would just have your way as you see fit. Thank you for giving us a picture of the heart of God. Toward sinful men, Lord, your heart that was seeking after me. And Lord, may the truths looked at today reach down and touch every heart. Whether a person is saved, may they rejoice in the goodness of God and be thankful. If a persons lost, may they see themselves as lost without God. And I pray, Lord. That would have your way in every heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand